This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to a mashup of the Back of the Nest preview show and the Back of the Nest match report. Today, this morning, joined by Kara Skipper. Hello. Nick Gillard. Yo. Sam Heskiff. Everyone's too enthusiastic. It's worst. <laughs> hungover Sam Heskiff. I don't get hungover. Well, I, I have to say, we, we sounded like fucking university challenge contestants. Well, you, and, uh, I, I'm going to tell you why this... There's a certain amount of um, there's a certain amount of acting required today because Cara and myself recorded this last night and it was a proper A game pod. We didn't bother with just anger. We didn't bother with just opinion. We hit people with stats for a good forty minutes for then our recording platform to not save any of my recordings, and I was so fucking annoyed. However. Um, the silver lining is we now have Heskiff and Nick to uh, to add some information. Plus the fact <laughs> that um, plus the facts, it seems that we um, we have Hodgson for the next eleven games. So um, before we start, Heskiff, Roy Ball. I think Jeff Schlapp is the happiest man on the planet right now. <laughs> if, if, if there was a chance that he was going to start getting benched. For this easier and in inverted commas run of games, not anymore. Front and centre—that's what Jeff's going to be. Um, I, d- I don't want Roy Hodgson back. Well, tough. That's Nick Royble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd rather have Scott Parker. Oh, Jesus! I don't want Scott Parker. Hell. Again, tough. Cara uh, Royble. Um, do you know what? I'm kind of. Um... I'm kind of happy, not because Roy's coming back, but because I think this is such a shit show that the only thing that makes it even more, the only thing that made yesterday even more banter was the fact that as it got later, they'd fucked up so bad that their only option was Roy. So I kind of think it's just jokes on Parish. But I think we should do who are the, based on Heskiff's comment, who are the winners and losers from uh, Roy becoming manager? Mike, you go we're first. The, we're, the, we're the losers. It's an easy one. <laughs> Everyone below us is the winners. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think if anyone's um, loser, it's probably going to be that because, um, you know, he may be 75 years old, 
And he may be, in my eyes, uh, third to Big Sam and Tony Pulis in terms of grinding out a 1-0. Um, but if anyone can do it, it's him. Um, the losers, I am very worried about Michael Aliso. Very worried. I don't think he's going to be happy in any way whatsoever. Um, I don't know how long his contract is. Does anyone know? No, no but I will counter that with um, Ezzy played much better under Roy. I don't think Ezzy's going to be happy either. Um, he did. He's, there are some rumours that Ezzy was unhappy with Vieira for not playing him, but how yeah. deep that is, whether that was just a, a normal level of unhappiness at not playing or whether that was like a... I want you to go so somebody else plays me. I, I doubt it was heavily towards the the latter. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so for, for me, I'm I'm worried about some of the squads. However, um, it was always going to be a massive period of transition um, with Zahar going at the end of the season. So I'd rather that the manager is changed at the same time, and we don't have an overlap of maybe Vieira for six months. He goes because Zahar is our only outlet. And then we have a whole new manager without him. <clears throat> so I, I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot of winners and a lot of losers. Um, do, you remember I, what, that, yeah. sorry, do you remember that whole three months in a row where we weren't in any sort of a crisis? <laughs> <laughs> it's a distant moment uh, now. Yesterday feels like it went on for about three months. So I just feel like we've been in this stage now for a long time. Yeah. What's going to happen now is we're going to pull out all of our year seven drama acting and we're going to pretend like we didn't discuss the athletic article yesterday, Cara, to the nth degree. Right. Right. Uh, so, Cara, did you read the athletic article that Matt Wiesnam and David Ornstein geniusly put together? Several times. Several times. Okay. Uh, the small would, would, you, would you like to give us a synopsis of the, uh, of the parts that people may not know about and then Heskiff and Nick can give us some comments? Sure. I mean, I'd say the synopsis of the whole article is that Palace is one hell of a shit show, which probably like <laughs> is not a massive surprise to Palace fans. Like, when have we not been? Um, but I think it does probably do a good job of outlining the areas that um, Vieira's at fault for. So namely um, the lack of experience within his coaching staff. Um, so uh, kind of people that he trusts, people that he's got good personal relationships with, working relationships with, um, but weren't particularly effective. Uh, sounds like they never really won over um the kind of trust of uh, Parish Dougie and others. Um, and sounds like there was some uh, kind of lack of um, respect is maybe too harsh, but kind of lack of reaction from the players to um, his coaching staff also. Um, and obviously Vieira picks those. So, you know, the buck stops with him there. Um, no detail on how many discussions there were with him about that being a problem though, is one thing I would say. Like if you are, if you bring in a manager, um, as a kind of transition manager and that's your problem, um, then I would have thought maybe you you have that conversation. Whether or not that happens, we we don't know. Um, the bust up at Christmas is a juicy one. Apparently some kind of training bust up between two players who were subsequently then dropped from the squad um, to face Fulham on Boxing Day, but then reinstated on Christmas Day. So we don't know who those two are. Um Lots of kind of shock, I think. Just at the- check on that. If it's Christmas Day, 
does it say why? Was there like suddenly a couple of Baileys in Vieira's side and he was like, oh, it's cool, everyone, it's cool. No, you know, I don't think there are any kind of big Christmas gifts delivered on Christmas Day that, that changed the mood. Um, it does say that it raised, the decision to drop them from the squad raised eyebrows, but it doesn't say like how that timeline played out. Um, so yeah, no kind of, details on that um sorry has anybody had the foresight to look at the lineups around christmas and see which player was missing no, but, the but they were reinstated nick before the game oh, so before the actual game itself yeah yeah and yeah that was, that was i've for, heard uh, about who it was but i don't think it's wise to say so it's probably for um going in too heavy on academy players wasn't it in the challenges in training was uh yeah the spark whether there was stuff before that caused it i don't know yeah, apparently so. Um, up. Sorry. You see. No, it might, it might be something that I guess as the kind of months go on, maybe people will talk about more, but who knows. Um, but yeah, the kind of, um, the the shocker, I think, is the fact that um, Steve and the board were giving serious consideration to sacking Vieira back in February 2022. Obviously, that's just a couple of months before we were then at Wembley um, in our FA Cup semi-final. Um and that Vieira was apparently kind of eyeing up the Leeds job um, with the idea that uh, he would have a bigger budget to spend. And obviously he was aware that that kind of relationship wasn't going um, the way that uh, maybe both parties thought, or at least Vieira thought. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's so much detail in that in the article. If you haven't read it, um, it's worth kind of getting a subscription to read it because it really does... Um, lay out kind of all the information. Um, and as we definitely didn't already cover last night, um, Mike made the good point that it's it's kind of proper journalism. You know, they've got um, really good links with the club and it's all stuff that's been verified that's that's in there, no kind of speculation. So um, really worth a read. Yeah, I, I had a read of it yesterday. I had about 20 minutes free in my work day from very exciting meetings, um, which I spent reading the article. And like I say, it's good. There's a lot of detail in there. It doesn't seem to be like necessarily picking a side, which is good because you get a bit more, you get a bit more out of it there. You sort of, you, you don't have to take it with a pinch of salt. Um, and yeah, I think it's really interesting, you know, it, him almost being sacked in February 22. Um, I think they said that basically if we hadn't have beaten Watford away, he would have gone. And we obviously won that 4-1, went on a bit of a run. So that was quite interesting because it, if they had got rid of him, then it's just you know, you, like you say, you, you, you're wanting someone to come in and change the way you play football, change the type of players that you have, to then bin him off after like four months. It's not a Frank the Ball where we were just clearly awful and he was massively out of his depth. So that was a bit weird, um, especially since you know I think Parish genuinely. And I'm sure we'll get onto Parish <laughs> later, but I think he, I think he likes Pat. You know, I, I think that he saw a lot of good in him, but then it just seems weird to say, "Oh, he gets it," and he, you know, what a great job he's doing. But four months in, be ready to boot him out. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think m- my view on the whole situation is that if we're going to get rid of him and there's no plan to replace him or the plan is Hodgson, where we've made such a song and dance about 
we're going to change the way we play and we're going to be, you know, a progressive team and this is what the fans want and this is the Palace way and all that sort of thing. I, I just don't understand it. You know, you see other teams sat their manager and almost a day later, the new guy's in. Like, they know who it's going to be. Everything's sorted out. There's no transition period. He's just in. That's it. But with Palace, like, it's just like, do we know what we're doing? I'm not sure that we do. Um, and I just think, again, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but he, he hasn't been backed as well as he needed to be in order for the board's vision of this progressive, new, young, forward foot team to come into play. Like, do I think he should have been doing better in the last 10 games? Yeah, it was a tough run. We shouldn't only be scoring four goals in 2023. That's shit. But both can be true and it doesn't mean that Pat should go, you know? So baffled in the morning and then progressively the more I read, I was just even more confused about what we're doing. Can I just say before, um, Eskif, you're much more cogent and coherent in the mornings than usual uh, on your on your preview show, but I don't know whether that's because you've been bored rigid by a beer check beforehand. Um, that so is incredibly that. harsh. That is in- H- Eskif, Hello. Eskif is, is the sinews that keeps the preview show together. Right, that's it, yes. Thanks very much. This yeah. is why I've come on here, is just to get my ego stroked. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> It was a very comprehensive article, wasn't it? Um, it? It still didn't have any. I don't know how many of the the arrows hit the hit the hit the bullseye with with what it said, because um, we can only surmise, can't we? Um, it's weird that Patrick wanted to go last year uh, to find that out now because we. Well, I I thought that he was a perfect fit for our club. Um, it was great having somebody uh, to, to have a black manager that that spoke for the community as well. And there, there was a couple of people on um, on DR's, uh Well, it was like comic relief compared to comic relief, and it was a miserable show. But uh, a, a couple of uh, black palettes. Sorry, let's just stop you there. So, just to say, um, last night on the day of recording, Dr. Patrick, Nick, and a whole plethora of other people haven't seen it yet because it went on for three hours, uh, properly went in <laughs> on YouTube. So if you want some vitriolic, angry um, stuff, I'm sure it's worth putting that on in the background today. Yeah. Yeah, it probably is. It's very – well, it might get soporific. might be better than those those apps you get that play the sea if you can't get to sleep. No, it's too loud for that. Um, but they were just gutted that uh, somebody they saw represented them at Palace and actually the vibe changed when, when he got there. And we all wanted it to work so much, but there's something not quite right. Him not picking up phone calls from Parrish – um, for days, um, finding out by phone on the way to the ground. That's, that's no way to treat a legend. Um, but uh, going forward to Parrish's interview with Sky News after and marrying that with that is he's seen this as a time that he's got to take his gamble. Now you can see why with an international break and a little bit of time that it might be the best time to actually make the change. That said, I can't not seeing 
Vieira keeping us up, or couldn't not see it. I, I thought Vieira would keep us up, given that horrendous run of games. That said, um, they got rid of all the coaching people at once. Um, players, you know, we're hearing that some players are really upset that he's gone, but we're hearing other players of other players that are really pleased because they thought the coaching was crap. And the whole Derry situation, okay, if you if you if you've got to follow a manager's philosophy, you've got to follow the manager's philosophy, whether you, whether it means keeping it in your pants and not ranting at the players, because quite contradictorily, um, Vieira as a manager was completely different to Vieira as a player, because um, I suppose you could say the same about Roy Keane and Roy Keane being a pundit, but he was, I don't know, maybe he was too nice, maybe... But as we said, it, we haven't scored. We barely scored. Um, things could have been different at Brentford, couldn't they, Mike? Um, if we hadn't let that last-minute goal in. Well, look, we can go down the route, and we've discussed it on the back of the S WhatsApp chat about points lost. You know, some people said um, these are the games we should have won, and then somebody else, I think it was Patrick O'Connor, replied and said, well, these are the games we should have won. Um and we, we all know about that. What I want to avoid with this show, because there'll be plenty of other shows, is um, looking back and saying this should have been different. Um, it is what it is. Some some stats. So obviously, he, you know, my maths isn't great, but even I can work out 27 points from 27 games is exactly a point a game. Um, and we, we've scored 0.8 goals a game on average. Um, and if we take last year, he averaged one point. Two six points a game. Um, we won eleven last year. We've only won six this year so far. So it's clear that Parish has just gone shit. Like I need to, I need to decide now whether I really send ripples around this club and just make sure we stay up because I have all manner of plans, including millions ploughed into doing up the grounds or. I carry on with what clearly was a longer term project and he's, he's gone for the former. Um, now he obviously backs himself. Cara and myself had a discussion on this, on the, uh, the pod that we lost um, last night. And, and generally Cara's opinion was that's not the right choice. And mine is probably it just is the right choice. Um, and it comes down to, what I've pointed out on pods before that your own personal opinion about whether you're a risk taker or not, I'm, I'm naturally a nuke and pave with a lot of things. So I realized that my opinion on this was the same with Hodgson. I wanted him gone pretty early. I wanted Pardew gone pretty early. Um, there's a lot of good things about Vieira and we're going to lose that, not least the culture change, not least the identification you get with a young black manager rather than a 75 year old white man with the key to the freedom of Croydon. Um, so, you know, th- this th- that kind of stuff we can discuss, but I, I think probably, you know, will have been discussed well via DR on YouTube and via all manner of other things. But stats-wise, um, I'm just going to wind up Cara again and say the same things I said in the recording <laughs> yesterday. So this calendar year, and I know that will make people wince because the season is the season. It isn't from January the 1st. Um, but I think the reason I want to use these stats is that right now our confidence is shot and I don't see us winning any, I don't see us getting a point against hardly anyone. 
Um, we scored four this this calendar year, conceded thirteen. Uh, Dr. Yesterday on the um, the WhatsApp, and I'm sorry to keep using him as a drive by. Um, so that people got to remember that we've got a great defence. All of the teams in the bottom twelve have a great defence right now. Leeds played one le- less game. They've scored eight, conceded thirteen. Leicester, who we assume has a poorest defence, have only conceded sixteen. They've scored eleven, and that's off nine games. Bournemouth have only conceded fifteen. Southampton have only conceded eleven. West Ham have only conceded twelve. Newcastle, you know, not in great form. This this was before the victory. Um, you know, they've only conceded eight. So everyone has managed to keep their defence very sound. We've done that. We've got some great defenders. My worry is some of them might not want to stay. But we are just leagues below everyone else in just being able to put the ball in the net. And at the very least, I think Hodgson is going to get back to basics, which is a horrible phrase, and just go, this is how we play in 4-4-2 and probably grind out some wins. It'll be horrible, but let's face it, the last however many games since Forest have been fucking horrible as well. Cara? Okay, here goes. Right, so the reason that the stats that you've used makes make no sense to use as a foundation for this decision is because you're taking defensive records against a different set of teams. So you're comparing complete apples and pears. Like you can't say that our defensive performance that saw us stop Man City from scoring in open play is equal to the same defensive performance of Leeds playing Forest or Leeds playing Leicester or Leeds playing West Ham. You look at, we can look at kind of maybe we've lost to the same teams. So for example, like United say, but there's teams that when they've lost to United, they've lost 3-0 to United and we lost 2-1, right? And then drew against them a couple of weeks earlier. It, like it's not, stats can tell you so much, but they can't tell you the full picture. And this is my problem with Parrish is that I don't feel like he ever looks at the feel, full picture. I think he bottles it and I think he panics. And I think that is shown in the way that he dealt with this situation. Um, sacking Vieira over the phone at 7am when he's on the way to the training ground. Uh, sacking him when he had no plan as to who to replace him. And he sits there saying, we don't talk to managers when we've got a manager in place. Well, I'm not being funny, but if you've been considering sacking him since February last year, you probably should have when we've got 10 games to go. Like that's, that's a ridiculous way to run an organisation. Anyway, you made the point I was going to make already about like calendar year. It means nothing. Our season runs from August to May. If you normally we rely on taking halfway through the season because you've played a pretty balanced run of fixtures of people at the top of the table, middle of the table, bottom of the table. That's not the way this season is going because the bottom of the table is the whole bottom half of the table, right? And when you look at the people below us, they haven't played the congestion of top half of the table games that we have played in this run. Five of which, of uh, five of those games, we didn't have Wilf. We don't win games without Wilf, any manager, any manager at all. Roy was just as bad when, when we didn't have, uh, what was that run of, was it like 10 games or something in Roy's kind of final years that we didn't have Wilf from? And I think we won one maybe in that time that's not going to change we had Anderson out for a significant period of time and this all comes back to the structure of the team so I just hate this kind of obsession of looking at a selection of statistics and not taking into account the full picture and I think this is kind of what the the discussion over Vincent Company's interjection yesterday is over you know he used the word over over overachieving and lots of people have kind of um 
uh, like scoffed at that because obviously like, yeah, on the face of it, how can you say that like going three games without a shot on target is overachieving? How can you say that not winning a game um, since New Year's Eve is overachieving? But the key part of what he said is with the resources that you've got. Now, if the resources that you've got include not Wilf, not Anderson, uh, you know, we can look back at losing our entire midfield uh, over the summer and that not being replaced. Um, and then you look at the fixtures that we've had to face. Actually, if we look at, if we took the snapshot of results that we've got, some of them, yeah, we we, we needed to do better and we would want to do better um, regardless of the situation. But actually a lot of them we would look at zooming out from them having been within the same kind of um, six-week period and say, well, that's pretty much what we'd expect. Or actually, defensively, we've we've played really well there. Haaland went on to score five in one night, less than a week after playing us and not managing to score one, apart from a stupid penalty that we gave away. Like, it's ridiculous to say that defensively we are the same as other teams who are losing 3-0, 4-0, 5-0 at some points when we haven't done that, bar the Spurs game, right? Where, yeah, we lost 4-0, it was atrocious. The defensive records just don't compare. And my worry is that you're going to get a manager in place. Yes, okay, defensively, part of the issue of putting Roy in place is that he's going to do exactly the same as what we already are. He's not He's not a, a manager that sets up teams to score. Uh, we might nick a couple, but actually with a, a, a team of strikers, strikers on low confidence, are they really going to put away the chances that they get? Edward didn't against Brighton. You know, we created plenty in the first uh, 15 minutes or so, didn't manage to put them away. That's the same way that Roy's going to play. He's going to play defensively tight. He's going to play exactly the same as we played against Brighton. Defensively tight and create enough chances and hope we can put them away. The problem is our players aren't putting them away. So I, I don't see how. I think Vieira would have ground out draws in the games that we've got to come. Maybe a couple of lucky wins. I think that's the way it would have gone. I don't know if Roy's going to keep the defensive setup that we've got. And especially if the players are feeling any which way about the fact that Vieira's gone, are they going to be playing with the same determination at the back as they were playing under Vieira? I think it's a huge risk. There's, there's taking a gamble. Use the the, the words that, that um, Parish thought it was time to take a gamble. There's taking a gamble and there's like blowing your house deposit on a hundred to one chance on the Grand National, right? Like there's a there's a spectrum here and the, the side of the spectrum that Parish has gone to with no plan whatsoever is is just ridiculous and and almost unhinged in my view. Yeah, I, uh, no, I get it. And you can't compare, we, you, the only stats you can compare are via game. Um, you know, I can pick out, we could argue to the hilts and I could say, well, Southampton kept a clean sheet against Man City. But my, my point is that after 12 games, that side, when we were standing, you know, in the HF at Brighton, um, their confidence is now non-existent. And, it, you know, you have to play the, the games that have come up in the order that they come up in. And I don't see... If if those games hadn't killed the confidence of the players to the extent they have, I could see him carrying on. But as they're playing now, unless, unless Vieira decided to just totally restart his tactics... I just don't see us. It doesn't matter who we're playing. And the other thing is we tend to get results against teams that let us play a little bit. And the point is that all of the teams in the bottom 12 have gone, right, we've realised now if we just sit back, Man City aren't that great against breaking teams down. Arsenal are still, you know, they might win the the league, but 
they're still not fully there. Teams cannot break us down. So everyone's just gone, we're going to sit back. And that just, over years, Palace have not been able to deal with that. So I don't see that we're going to be any better against the bottom size than we are against the top. The ones that give us some space are the ones that we'll probably get some points against. Heskiff, sorry, you've been sitting there quietly. Yeah, no, uh, there's, a couple, there's a couple of things in there. I think the one thing that I was worried about, and which I talked about on the preview pod a few times, is a sort of momentum that the clubs have got. So my one worry was that because we've had this really hard run of playing all the teams in the top 10, whatever, even though somehow we're still 12th, which still blows my mind, we're, we're, on, we're on a downward slide and... You know, I guess my worry is that the confidence is shot and we're not really trying to do anything different and it's just not working. Whereas some of the other teams below us are getting a bit of a momentum uh, shift. Bournemouth have been Liverpool, et cetera, et cetera. So that was a worry. But then to to get rid of Vieira, who's, you know, the amount of times over the last sort of few games we've said like, oh, it's a bit like Roy, isn't it? It's a bit like Roy Ball to get rid of Vieira, to then replace him with the guy who's basically going to do the same thing, with the exception of probably playing Ayu up front. <laughs> I, I just, like, I'm, I'm, I don't want us to go down, right? Obviously, I don't want us to go down. And Paris is talking about, you know, the stand, the, the stand ain't getting built because the stand has been nearly there for about 10 years. So I, I don't care about the stand. And I know we should care about it because it's a revenue stream. I don't care. Stop talking about a new stand and enlarging the pitch so it can play international football. Don't worry about that, mate, because we're going to be playing fucking Luton probably next year if it carries on. Um, that's a tangent. But anyway, my, my worry my worry is, you know, you, you look at the games coming up and some of the teams we're playing now are on a better, a, a better run of form than we are, not hard. I just don't get... Replacing someone who's who's sort of tactics over the last five or six games maybe has been more sort of conservative, like don't let don't let goals in, then see what we can do. Which is fine if you can A not concede goals, any goals, and B score the odd goal here and there. And this is not, you know, like I I wasn't happy with how things have been for the last few games. I'm absolutely not a Vieira out kind of guy. Absolutely not. But to then be like, okay, that's why we're making the change. And then bringing in Roy, who did that for like four years. And the the problem now, I guess, is like, if Roy comes in and we stay up, having got a few wins against whoever, Forrest and Bournemouth, which we should realistically then is he going to be lauded as having changed our season or saved our season? I don't think so because I don't get what he's going to do any different. Like the problem, the problem for me this season. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Season. A glaring, glaringly obvious from last year, right? After four months of Conor Gallagher being really good for us, we all knew Conor Gallagher is not going to sign for Palace. We all knew it. If anyone thought that we had a chance, then something's gone wrong with the red because we didn't. So at that point, let's say in January 2022, spend your time finding a player like Conor Gallagher that ain't Conor Gallagher. And then in the summer, it's like, well, we've got, we got Richards and Decore. Great. I like them both. But we still don't have a guy who can help us press 15 yards further up the pitch. So we've had to change the way we've played. We've still got slow fullbacks. We've got no competition at left back, etc. So it's like, yeah, we're having to play differently because we can't play the same way as we did last year because we haven't got the team to set up. After then getting battered by Spurs, I'm happy that Vieira was like, okay, tying up a bit. And I think it's been a little bit too, I don't like the word regressive, but a bit too defensive-minded, which I sort of get. But yeah, to come back to my point, it's like Hodgson ain't going to do nothing different. And if if he grinds out a couple of, wins, 1-0 wins, whatever, and it's shit to watch. Of course, I'm going to be happy because I don't want Palace to go down. But it's, again, another thing of, like, don't make such a song and dance about, thanks for everything, Roy. We really appreciate what you've done, but now we're going in a different direction. It's like Parrish's, if you stand still, you're going backwards. Just stop saying it because you keep doing it, and then you look like a knob. <laughs> Nick? It's, um, yes, it's interesting that... Um... We these games we got left against the teams below us have moved from being should wins to must wins. It's almost like every game's a six pointer now. Now, given that we haven't had very good results in the last ten games, albeit against very, very, very good opposition, that would almost suggest that we're not up for it for big games under Pat. Um, so, you know, if, it's a cliche, but every game is going to be a cup final, apart from tomorrow, where it'll be a, a, a carnival of praise for Paddy McCarthy and his services to the club. I'm quite looking forward to Paddy McCarthy's Red and Blue Army, even if it's just for a couple of minutes on the terraces tomorrow. But yeah, you've got to look back at the error at Nice, the, the whole 18 month thing, what happened in New York. Um, What's he like getting beyond that? Did he actually have a plan B? Or is it, as Eskiv said, we've got lack of squad depth. So actually, ultimately, Vieira's failure is down to the investment and the wherewithal of those in the club to, to sign the right players, or even those that are running the club to talk to each other. I know that it was talked of in one of the papers as a civil war. It's not a civil war, you know. But a, a disagreement at board level where you've got four people running it and you, you, you're going to get a bit of uh, friction between them over what they think's best. I'm just gutted that, I'm just gutted that Vieira didn't work because I, I liked him so much. That's, that, that's the truth. And we haven't got Hodgson yet. I don't know how much of an in, in, inevitability it is. I'd imagine by the time this poll comes out, we will have him. Um, yeah, I, think, 
but they haven't released the season tickets yet. That's going to get the people in the box office going to be rubbing their hands with glee. They won't have any work to do renewing, will they? Just um, just before you come in, Carla, um, just on what you've said there, Nick. So Henry Winter um, tweeted yesterday, said uh, Palace problems run deeper than Vieira. Imbalanced squads need strengthening. They lack goals. Vieira tried to change Palace's style. Palace's style. Tough run of fixtures. 12th, but it's a results business. Parrish, one of the more measured chairmen, would have not made this decision lightly. I think Vieira yeah, also we, tries to change Parrish's style, right? But like, got sacked for it. So maybe if he'd have won, we'd be in a different position. Yeah, go yeah, on. Freudian, Freudian, that's, yeah, so yeah. carry on. I was just going to say, I remember Henry Winter writing a massive article about what an absolutely unbelievable appointment Frank de Boer was and how he's going to have loads of success at Palace. So I, I feel like him and Parrish are probably mates, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah, Out <laughs> what they've said is that, uh, well, I don't know if this has changed since last night, but that it seems to be the only thing that could save us from Roy being appointed is if we win tomorrow, <laughs> then Paddy McCarthy might get it for the rest of the season. So, you know, we could be we could be on the cusp of something absolutely amazing. And, you know, Paddy McCarthy just absolutely comes into his own, uh, saves the season and is our like most successful manager for the next five years. Um, <laughs> it doesn't feel like it. I just like, I, I like Nick, you dismiss the kind of like civil war language. And like, I get it. it like in terms of like civil wars going on around the world, it's not, um, it's not good language to use, but I do. That's think what it, I meant. Just yeah. Yeah. Like. I, I think it is like, I think it is the thing that has held us back for at least the last couple of years. And I think Parrish has kind of gone under the radar. He's obviously got huge amounts of goodwill from the fan base because of the like history and where we were when he took over and what he achieved in kind of um, like stabilising us. But I think it's one of those almost like quirks of football, a quirk of football that's there on purpose to protect the really rich guys. But if a manager comes up from the championship and proves that he can't really take a club to the next level, you know, they'll be deemed as a good manager, but they're a good championship level manager. You know, that that's where their skill set lies. If an owner takes a club up from the championship to the premiership, yes, stabilises their, their, their place in the, the Premier League, but doesn't push them on any further, there's no mechanism for us to say, you're a good owner, but you're a good owner for that level. And now to take the club on to where... You know, we always hear about this word potential that there is in in the club. Now, to take us on to fulfil our potential, we need somebody else because he doesn't have any money and that's fine. You know, I, I don't particularly like billionaires myself, so it's not a slight on the guy, but he has all the power. And the problem is that he then brings in people with money who don't have any interest in Palace because he doesn't want them to have any interest in Palace so that he can consider, continue being the main decision maker and that's when we get decisions like this, because I think that decision to pull the lever is based on Parrish wanting to keep his job. He doesn't want there to have to be some big takeover of the club in a crisis because nobody would accept, what is it he gets like £2 million a year or something for right. like £3 million a year for for this, <laughs> like for just uh, going Roy uh, time, not building the main stand messing up the planning permission on the main stand, which I mean, if as running an organisation, you can't even sort that out or bring the right people in to sort that out, what are you doing? Let alone being paid £3 million for it. I, I think 
we will not solve this issue of the club ending up back here all the while that he is in charge. And I think that's something that some section of the fan base have started to come to terms with and others won't come to terms with it, you know, even if he relegated us to League One. Before Mike comes in there, can I just say that longest run we've ever had in the top division, just as a devil's advocate. And yes, he's he he's making naive decisions. But we're still here and I just hear you talking and uh, he's going to be risk averse because of the fact we've been financially in the poo-poo a couple of times already. Um, and I'm also hearing, because I'm of a certain vintage, echoes of a Charlton fan there and look where they are now. We should just, you know, this is 12th. Brutal. 12th is us. Absolutely no, fucking brutal. Is us. Then, you've got to look at... To be fair, so it might have rubbed up on me a bit. I don't know. But I don't know. Maybe that's why why Parish is. I don't know. He's, he he took too long over getting rid of Pardew, and he seems he's gone too quick over Vieira. He needs to find a happy medium, doesn't he? All right, a few, a few things to bring up there. So, first of all, absolutely, ten years in the Premier League, and we've seen now. You know, even where I live in Hastings, there was a whole train load of Palace fans on the way to Brighton away. Um, you know, a few years ago, it would have been me and whoever else. You know, James Endicott lives in Hastings, doesn't he? Um, That's yeah. only because there's only one train an hour in Hastings, so it's interesting <laughs> yeah. busier. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, 10 years in the Premier League, the academy is, you know, something to be very proud of. We're, we're, we're you know, the only teams above us um, in the under 18s league are like Man City, Arsenal, you know, the, and, and then the replacements. I know we didn't get Conor Gallagher, it's never going to happen, but actually, Dakure, Simba, um, you know, I think he's made decent choices on a low budget. That, that stat that came out on Twitter the other week, um, millions of pounds per point in the Premier League this season, and we were right up the top, you know, I think it was like Brentford were above us, and that, that was it. Um, so on, on a shoestring budget, I think he's done very well. Um, and, and there's no real point in getting lost in the ownership thing because there's absolutely nothing that, that he ain't going to change. Um, I know you want to talk about Patrick Vieira's management history. So there's, there's a kind of a fallacy that he, um, does well initially and then drops off. And that is exactly what he did. At Nice, but for for New York, he took them from. I mean, New New York City were, you know, an absolute nothing side, and he got them finishing, not just in the playoffs, not just for the MS, MLS Cup, but very high up in the MLS Cup twice um, before being poached for Nice. So, um, you know, it, I'm not sure that you, just because he's replicated what he did at Nice. Um, it doesn't doesn't mean that he'd do that again somewhere else. Um, but you know, if the coaching style is poor, then for his initial decisions, for his gravitas, for you know the the fact that he can get people in, um, if the coaching is you know if if literally it's getting to the point we're hearing about it, then I I can't really remember a time where it's been like that before. You know, so that is that is worrying. Um, but the, the the one thing I really wanted to discuss was people were saying he's gone early. Um, he managed Palace for 74 games. There's not that many managers in the last 20 years that have done that. 
Um, and his win average is is low. I mean, including the cups, his win average is is, is twenty nine. Um, compared with Hodgson's thirty three, amazingly, Pardew's forty. Um, you know, so I think to say that he's gone early is seventy four games of Premier League manager. I'd, I'd I'd hazard a guess is is above average. So that is something to bear in mind as well. I think. Um, Right, I want to touch on a couple of comments from from Twitter because we asked people uh, what they thought, and I really should have prepped this before I started talking. Um, While you're having a look, Mike, I'll just yeah. say that the parallels with the Nice thing. Um, yes, it was eighteen months. Yes, Nice sold a lot of players and didn't replace them. Uh, we're kind of similar situation in players that went, i.e., Gallagher, not properly replacing them. Um, but you've you've got play, players kind of playing out of position a little bit, haven't you? And um, we just didn't seem to have any fight, and that that's what was missing. He was so bloody nice, um, he, you know. Even Parish saying, you know, it's really hard, even if it was by phone on his way to the training ground. <laughs> but is um, <laughs> well, he they it was they didn't want it happening at the training ground in front of the players. So that's kind of a reasonable excuse for that, isn't it? Um, I, I still can't get over this Hodgson thing because, you know, um, I, I don't know if I'll buy a season ticket for next year if he's there. Well, no, let's let's assume that he genuinely is there until the end of the year. I, I don't think that Steve Parrish has his finger so far from the pulse that he would possibly consider if we stay up. I mean... Unless, unless we literally get 33 points out of 11 games, he must know that that is a terrible idea. And I think he's, he's backing himself. You know, he got the error before and he wasn't even his first choice. He's backing himself to find somebody that can take Palace on as a project for a longer period. And I'd like to think that's possible. I think the, the, the current pool of available managers is probably worse than it was. And he's kind of wishing that. Sean Dyche just hadn't have found a job slightly earlier. Um, before before you both come in, just want to add a couple of comments from Twitter, involve them in your answers. So, Pefos at Pefos7, can you discuss how Derry's departure contributed to Vieira's sacking? Um, and then King Louis, did players join to play with Wilf, to play under Vieira, or to play for Palace? Not that loyalty should be expected right away, but what order do you think those three clauses should be placed. Um, yeah, go for it, Carl. Oh, I was going to let Heskov go first. Oh, thank you. Go on. Much. I, I go wasn't on. listening to the question. <laughs> um, I think the pull of Vieira as a manager shouldn't be underestimated because whenever people sign for a club, they always give it their, oh, it's a great club. I can't wait to play for the fans, all that sort of shit, which is fine. You expect it. But when we sign players, a lot of them, a lot of them, if not all of them, specifically mentioned Vieira, not even prompted to, well, at least on camera, they just, you know, said Vieira's the man, you know, at least they said fans. Yep. Yeah. And it, like, I get it because Vieira, like I remember watching Vieira <clears throat> in the 90s and 2000s, he was amazing. Um, like my, my mum is French, so I was in France tons and tons when I was younger and Vieira's like the, the the man, like they love him over there. So I absolutely get that. And I think 
one of the things I was going to say, which sort of ties into it is, and I, I, I hate to bring up Brighton because we all hate Brighton, but you look at their appointments and the way that they do business. And I know that Tony Bloom just underwrites everything and he's a little goblin and we don't like him, but like, do I have confidence that we would appoint someone like Deserby, who has been very good wherever he's been, sort of was never mentioned, and we were all running around with our hands in the air screaming with joy when Potter left. And then all, you know, very quickly afterwards, they brought Deserby in and he's done a really good job and they're, like, good now, which I hate saying. I don't have the confidence that we're going to do that because I think we tend to, and when I say we... I guess I'm in Parish. Go with what he knows, right? So you saying, oh, you know, do you think that he, you know, wishes that he just waited for Daesh? He had opportunity to get Daesh in, and I think Daesh would have been all right. I think Daesh would have been a sort of little transition from Roy to something else. Um, But I just think he likes to go with what he knows so he's quite conservative with his money parish i think that's probably the same with managers you know like if we were linked with hassan hootle i wouldn't be surprised just because he's managed in the premier league and that's a thing not that i'd want him um but i think whoever we do get in it's going to be interesting if it's a name or if it's someone that we don't know but who's just a good manager you know, and the pull of the Premier League is what does it. Because certainly the pull of Vieira was a big deal for us over the last, whatever, 18 months of bringing players in, I think. Yeah, I think there's quite a few bits in here that are going to be key to kind of what happens next. And this is all based on making quite a big assumption that we are going to survive. Because bear in mind, Roy's last job was at Watford, where he was put in at the end of January, so much earlier than... We're putting him in now. And yes, they're in a worse position. They're in 19th. But they also finished the league at 19th. Um, so I, I don't think it's this, like, yes, he's a very experienced manager, but this, like, massive confidence that, oh, he'll definitely keep us up. I don't know. He also hasn't managed a season that I know of where it's as tight as it is uh, with so many clubs um, packed in and he's only got 10 games. So anyway, we're making a big assumption. If, if we take that assumption... Then I think this the end of the season, there's going to be a lot of changing of managers in the league as a whole. Um, you're obviously going to have whichever teams go down, that those managers are going to be looking for new jobs. I think there'll probably be quite a few, um, like will um, Brendan Rogers stay at Leicester for another season? That seems to have gone like a little bit stale. They had a potentially similar situation to us in that they lost um, some of their like key players, didn't replace them. He seems to have a very good reputation with the board, so who knows? Um, Moyes at West Ham I'm not sure he'll stay again so there's going to be quite a few names floating around and the other side of that coin is there's going to be quite a few clubs looking for managers my worry with this decision is what we've done to our reputation to attract a manager in because what we said we wanted from Vieira was a long-term appointment so Mike you make the point that you know the whole leaving early thing if he was a normal appointment where he was just coming in because another manager, it was their time up for whatever reason. Yes, I take your point that he hasn't left that early. But we said that we wanted to bring in a long-term appointment to a rebuild project. A rebuild project doesn't happen in 18 months, 20 months, whatever it's been. I mean, you don't really, in a rebuild pro- pro- rebuild project, get to an FA Cup semi-final in your first season. But Vieira did. 
Then he wasn't backed in the summer. Then he wasn't backed in January. Managers, if we're saying that we want the same thing from a manager coming in in the summer, why are they going to believe us? Why are they? Because they're going to look at how we treated Vieira and say, right, but you said you wanted that from him. He did amazing things in his first season. You didn't back him in the summer. You didn't back him in January. You've got no money. So why? What, like, what am I going to do? You're losing all your players because Wilf's going to go. We're here, you know, we're hearing that Elise, Gay, um, possibly Eze, they're all unhappy. Are we going to keep hold of them? Are we going to keep hold of Anderson? Who like, there's, there's going to be a hell of a lot of uh, clubs with interest in our kind of individual players that have done well. I don't know. I think Vieira, um, Paris, sorry, has run out of road in kind of selling people the dream. And there's too much evidence there now that he's not going to back it up when they're in post. He's going to kind of demand impossible things from them. And just want to quote from the athletic piece on the whole, why players, what what was it attracted players to come? Was it Vieira? Was it Wilf? Was it Palace? Um, so a, a paragraph there. So Gallagher spoke of wanting to learn from the former Arsenal, Juventus and France midfielder. Vieira's presence was a major factor in Abue choosing Palace over Man United. Uh, Lokonga credited him as a major factor in his move. Elise felt inspired by Vieira, whose eagerness to work with young players contributed to Palace giving him the job in the first place. We will need to rebuild this team almost from scratch, almost from a worst from scratch position potentially than we did in the summer with a massive lack of pool factors and a lack of budget and now a lack of reputation. I I just, I've got no answers really, but those are all of my massive worries of the long-term impact that this decision has had if we're assuming that the short-term impact is negligible. So just before Nick comes in, um, want to add to that. Obviously, we're losing Zahar as well, um, so that makes things a hundred times worse. So, is it the best time that it all happens at once, or is it just massive worry in time? You're all catastrophizing for fuck's sake. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The the Premier League is a pool. Definitely a pull. It doesn't matter what team you are. People are going to want to play there. People are going to want to manage there. Um, getting players in isn't going to be that difficult, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, let's wait and see what happens. But the thing is, I've said all about renewing season tickets. A lot of us will still be there. There'll still be a palace. Managers will come and go. Chairman will come and go, albeit more slowly. But, you know, it's it's... Bread and circuses in the end, in it. Yeah, and let's let's not ignore the fact that there's a lot of clubs that have a much bigger turnover of managers than us, and you know they're they're all mercenaries. They all know the deal. They'll all get a nice payoff when they're sacked. Um, I'm not too worried about that. I'm worried about the fact that the managers available at the moment, the ones in <laughs> that were on the betting list yesterday, were just fucking horrific. That's uh, that's what's depressing. Um, uh, let's 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 wrap up shortly. A, a, a quick final comment um, from everyone, Hesky. Uh, you know, I'm the miserable one, I guess, and I'm always worried. I know you've been in good company today. I have, Carl. I appreciate it. Um, I like I I always worry about relegation just because that's my general vibe. At a, and I just think this decision—I don't—I think this decision is short-sighted. I'm worried. Obviously, I hope 
I would love to be wrong. I've been wrong many times in my life. Um, and I would love to be wrong, but <clears throat> I'm really worried. I'm really worried. It has the potential, and this sounds very hyperbolic, but I feel like there's an in, a potential for a, a real implosion at the club with the owners, with the players, with the coach and stuff, whatever. And I'm just worried that it will snowball and that there are maybe longer term problems than just we might go down. That's about as miserable as it can get, isn't it? So I'll pass that on to whoever wants to take that bat on. Oh, oh wow. Um, do you know what? I'm usually very positive, aren't I? When we look at bad performances and stuff, I usually manage to find the positive. But uh, no, I agree with everything Eskin said. And um, two two things, one from my mum and one from my dad, I'm going to end this on. And they are both Charlton fans, so do take it with a pinch of salt. But one thing that my mum always used to say to us when we were growing up is that if like you keep trying to do something and it keeps going wrong and things around you keep going wrong, it's worth just taking a step back and just looking at whether or not it's something you're doing. So that's a bit of advice I will pass on to Parrish if he's listening. We know he's a avid listener and advice taker from us. And the other thing from my dad, where so yesterday it was a catalyst for um, an unusual thing to happen uh, for me, which is I called my dad because I was really sad. I was like, Dad, they've sat Vieira like, what the fuck? And uh, we spoke about it and he went, you know what? I hope it doesn't happen for for you, for your sake, but you deserve to go down now. <laughs> I think that sums up uh, how I feel. So I'll leave it there. I'll start with uh, a positive Paddy Max Red and Blue Army. We've got a bloke who has taken youth players to good positions in their leagues. We've seen Whitworth come through the youth system Paddy Max overseeing that. We've got Dean Kiley there as well. Um, hopefully, if Roy comes in, it will be sitting behind Paddy Mac, just as a kind of a advisor, kind of like Paul Hart did with Dougie Friedman, that kind of relationship that saved us that time uh, when we were in a, went into administration. Um, we can, if Paddy Mac can somehow get a performance tomorrow because we're only as good as the next game. Um, that will be good. It'll be interesting to see whether some of his grit and determination that we saw when he was playing for us and Wilf actually played alongside him, not in defence, obviously, but, but you know, Wilf, Wilf, Wilf will get the bloke. Wilf will get how much um, that means. And Wilf talks to the younger players a lot. We know that from the past. So let's try and look at some positive things. Vieira's gone. We're all gutted. Uh, well, some pe- most people are gutted looking at Twitter. But we've got to look forwards now and um, get behind the team and um, do our best to, to stay up. And if I'd like to see Paddy Mack actually get a few games in charge and let Paddy Mack see it out because he knows the club. I know people talk about, oh, well, we shouldn't have ex-players and whatever, but we need that stability. Um I don't think Derry should, I'm not sure whether Derry coming back would upset things or not. I know there's been talk of that, but you've got to look at Derry's managerial career anyway. Um, what will be, will be. Palace will still be there. Um, life will carry on as usual. Well, still, even if we were top of the league, we'd find something to moan about. Miserable Dave would anyway, and Eskif. Um, but yeah, let's just get behind the team. Uh, at the new Highbury or whatever it's called and um, 
enjoy the day out and then look forward to that run of six point cup finals that we've got. But please don't write. No. No. Yeah, well, um yeah, I like that. I, I realise the decision's short sighted, but um I also think that short sighted is, is probably what we need right now. He wants to defend the hundred and thirty million or whatever it is that he gets each season. Um and we'll be hopefully heading into our 11th season in the Premier League as the most successful, unsuccessful Premier League stint of, of any club ever. Um, so, yeah, let's let's see out the 11 games and then worry what happens after that. Only Premier League? What have we ever won? Said <laughs> uh, DS. Yes. Right. Let's, uh, let's, let's leave it there. Thank you very much for listening. Um, there'll probably be a few bits of this that have been cut onto um, various of our socials if you're not following us on socials please do um, check out YouTube if you want to have another three hours of this discussion that gets you absolutely nowhere um, please please do go watch that um, we are back for a review of the Arsenal game and then I presume you got a little bit of break from the preview because of the international break, but you'll be back for, what is it, Leicester? Yep, back for the Leicester game, yep. Yeah, okay, all good. This is, um, before you go, this is a bit yeah. like when they split the squad up pre-season, wasn't it? <laughs> half of us are in Australia and half of us are on DR's pod. It's going to all mean, fall apart next season. Is, I was going to say, this is the beginning of the end then. Yeah. <laughs> If you think that I'm sitting discussing this for three hours, you're very much mistaken. So, yes, I will stay here. Thank you. Um, yeah. In in the meantime, um, please do please do share. If you if you're a, if you're a listener, please do just tell another Palace fan. That's the only way that we uh, we build this stuff up. It is very much appreciated. And until the next pod, thank you very much. And come on, you Hodgson. It's the ninetieth minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.